Mike Kissarm. Welcome to the Kiss FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. Nothing is into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a Kiss-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 181 of the Kiss FAQ Podcast. I'm going solo today, and uh, for this episode, I'm in my room in Vegas. It's Sunday morning. I've got the requisite coffee. Um, Last night was, let's see, it was Utopia, and holy shit, that was quite an experience, broadening my musical horizons with something that I certainly haven't listened to before fun show. Very, very cool um, visuals and display, and Todd Rundgren is a very, very, you know, talented musician, producer, writer, um, great band, Willie on the drums, insane, uh, Jill on keyboards, very, very, very talented, and of course, Kasim on bass and vocals and guitar, um, you know, some of those names you may know, you may not. I certainly didn't know two of them before um, coming into Vegas this weekend. But I uh, thoroughly enjoyed the set, or both of the sets, because one is the more kind of progressive, instrumental, um, I guess, side of the music that they've done. And the second set, after a 20-minute intermission, is, uh, I guess, more accessible. But uh, again, for you know a newbie who doesn't know anything about the band, didn't know anything about the band, it was uh, just quite an experience to to sit there and enjoy, and you know I was fortunate to get a photo pass and shoot my first concert, and hopefully some of those shots will come out. I was playing around with some different settings, being a complete uh, idiot when it comes to that. Um, you know, I had to get back to my seat after the shooting window closed, and uh, one of the people I was with had gotten some insane photos off his iPhone from the seventh row. So um, you know. It, these days, a photo pass is not quite what it was in the old days, particularly when you're shooting from the soundboard rather than the pit, which uh, they prefer to have uh, the photogs in the, the wings and back there for the show rather than up close, uh, which was fine. There wasn't a lot of space for that. So hopefully, again, you know, some of those pictures turn out. Again, uh, Todd is a, a musical icon, you know, legend. Um, I, I do recommend checking out some of his stuff, and I'll hopefully do a episode with Alex talking a little bit more about the music, because he knows more about it than me, and I can just sit there and say, yeah, I like that one, um, which was pretty much my response last night. So, obviously, this is the KISS FAQ podcast, not the Utopia podcast. Um, I came into Vegas as a plus one with a friend uh, to do the Las Vegas vault experience. There was no vault being purchased, um, so that changes how how I behave at one of these events, that I wanted to be a very much fly on the wall and not get in the way or be disrespectful because there were quite a lot of people who were actually purchasing a vault. So it's important for them to get their full experiences. I've had mine in Los Angeles, and I'm still having mine on a daily basis for that matter. I was playing some vault tracks up in my room for uh, one of the friends who uh, you know was here with us and uh, you know enjoyed giving a little bit of a sample of very old Gene Simmons to someone who doesn't necessarily know much about his uh, more obscure stuff or the vault. So the vault was being held at the Monster Mini Golf at the Rio, 
and you know I haven't been to Vegas since the Hard Rock residency in what 2014 and that was obviously you know about a mile and a half away from here so different events the Rio is you know it's a pretty cool casino for what it is I'm not a gambler so I think I lost 10 bucks just because I was bored uh, for five minutes uh, and that was all I could be bothered to kind of risk it's enough of a expense coming out here anyway so put 10 bucks in 116 and then put 16 in and lost it all in a second that's Vegas you gotta pay for those high rollers to win um, more on the hotel is um, it's actually very good um, for food for fat boy here um, very much enjoyed a good steak Friday night and uh, good breakfast at the hash house at go-go holy crap bacon yeah bacon makes the world go around that don't ever forget that so monster mini golf Friday got in got my round of golf and I always do that I did it when they were located over by the hard rock I love that place it's just you know sit back and you know listen to some good kiss tunes and they have a DJ who takes requests and make requests because a lot of people who are in there were not and I was like can I listen to tomorrow please can I have something from crazy nights would you play I confess off carnival of souls because uh, otherwise uh, you know you know you can ask so the golf is fun you know it's mini golf it's not st. Andrews it's not supposed to be it's fun they've got a great store lots of stock of different items lots of um, you know collectibles and for me it was the first time I'd ever touched a original Valley pinball machine so that was kind of neat from a geek point of view because I, I have no interest in owning one I wouldn't be able to fit it in an apartment um, had one of the newer pinball machines which was nice to see in person as well um, a lot of the sort of collectibles that I wouldn't buy but nice to see available to fans I mean excess stock of uh, old tour books from the Alive 35 tour I think some from Rising Sun you know just just the sorts of things that you know a, a somewhat casual or even a, a kiss fan just coming in for you know some casino time in Vegas think at the Rio because of the monster mini golf would possibly be interested in and lots of great display items up on the wall posters photos signed albums Eric Carr's Porsche or Porsche if you prefer is uh, is still there complete with nice ding on the uh, on the hood so uh, I didn't get to sit in that don't think you're allowed actually and then there's a uh, the Gene Simmons tongue Volkswagen bug out front um, I cannot sing the praises of Monster Mini Golf enough, and if that's not enough, we really do need to give them a shout out for hosting the events. They've done a fantastic job in how it's been organized and kind of happened here. It's nice to compare to being in a studio at Capitol Records in Los Angeles for that one, uh, being my only other reference point for one I personally attended. But how they organize things, the um, chap who does the Gene Simmons money bag soda was there with samples very very nice family it was great to meet you at the bar and have a wonderful conversation and uh, thank you also for the sample of the soda you know again very cool how all these little threads are brought together for a vault experience and um, you know for those who are attending for the first time I think it really does add to the event because they do need things to do while they're waiting their turn to receive their vols um, let's get to Saturday and the actual vault. Obviously, um, 
we just had credentials, so we don't don't have the la the, the lanyards, laminates or anything like that, and you just get our wristbands, quick photo with uh, Uncle Gene, which was very nice, thank you. Um, not, can't wait to see it. I think it was dorky what we did, but there you go, dorky things, as KISS fans are wont to do. Um, after that, it was um, hurry up and wait for the song story section, which was taking place in a absolutely beautiful venue upstairs. I'm not sure what it was called. Don't really care. It was lovely. It was just very perfect atmosphere in terms of its lighting, ambiance, and layout, so people weren't scrunched together. There was a good audience. I'm not going to put estimates on the numbers of vaults that were shifted that day. That's you know not pertinent uh, for what I was actually watching in this event. Lots of families and um, just really nice KISS fans, passion in that room and you know even while congregating outside was um, again that the KISS army is a, a family that transcends generations now so even if you're one of those people who became a fan in 1974 and bought every album new all the way up to Monster and I'm a fan who came in with Asylum and bought every album up to this day, or someone who became a fan with Family Jewels and has stayed current with the band ever since, or maybe even someone who just became a fan because of the Vegas residency, or more recently, that everyone is a fan of the same band. We may not have all been able to share the same experiences contemporaneously, but we're still a fan of the same band, and of Gene Simmons, which is why everyone was there. So the Vault experience itself uh, started just, I think, afternoon. Uh, thereabouts. Uh, Keith, who again, props have to be given to Keith Valcourt for how he's handling this whole vault process. I think he does a wonderful job of making it the very best experience for everyone possible. And uh, again, organizationally, it's all very concise, very clear. He gets up on stage, explain how the day is going to go. So that'll be in the video that I show after this monologue is completed. And yes, I will hurry up and get to the video. Um, and then he leaves the stage for a little while, and they're just piping in music for us while we wait. And then Gene comes in. And, you know, Gene came into the, the Monster Mini Golf right behind me. He arrived, and I, I wasn't even paying attention. Just out of the corner of my eye, suddenly see his head go by. I'm like, oh, cool. And, you know, he was just pure business. I mean, he is smiling. He is gregarious. He is working hard. He's worth a deuce. He, he, he's totally invested in delivering an exceptional product to the purchasers. He is delivering an experience. He is uh, amiable. He, it, it, it's just wonderful to see how he is. I, I, you don't really care how he's actually feeling that day because you can't tell. He's just going to make sure that it's the very best for the $2,000 that people have spent and in some cases more with travel or um, you know some of the other experiences that have been purchased. So I, I really have to give him respect for how I see him approaching all of this. And it's, I know it's difficult for some people to get their head around, I can't afford $2,000, I'm being left out of this. And I feel for you because obviously in a perfect world, everyone would get to do the experience, but then it would be diluted and it wouldn't necessarily be special and the material would be up on YouTube faster than we could have said. So that's not to say that just because you can't afford $2,000 that you're a pirate. No, that's not the case. but. I do understand what he's trying to do, and it does mean that some people are left out, and that you know is distressing. I understand that, but what he's doing with that money 
to make it a great experience for those people who do do it is to be respected. He's not shirking in any way uh, doing a, a cash and you know cash and grab sort of situation. He's sticking around. He's give, going all in and doing everything he can to make sure that every customer leaves completely satisfied. I don't want to start making burger house analogies, and I do apologize for the air conditioning kicking in behind me, but it is Vegas, and I am English and overweight, and it is fucking hot. So, excuse me. All right, so back to upstairs, the song story start, and it's very similar to, I guess, the song stories that everyone's heard or seen on YouTube. They've, they've been up there for just about every event. They do follow kind of a standard, which is, you know, Come on, I, I find it myself when I'm meeting people at a table in Indy that I kind of fall into the stock answers and there's only so much creativity my brain can process for responses to similar questions. So I totally understand it now a little bit better why Gene and Paul or any, I guess, uh, celebrity may sometimes sound like they're just, you know, uh, chucking out stock answers. I get it. So he, he goes into his song stories with Keith guiding him, keeping him on track, um, nudging him back in the right direction as needed. Yeah, Keith is very much a handler in those situations, but it, it's very calm. It's, it's very relaxed. Um, I did get the impression off this one that I was hearing some stories or elements of those stories that I hadn't heard previously. Whether or not is the case, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to go back and compare it to other videos to see if he said something slightly different or added something. Um, it felt that way, and that in essence is what everything is about, how it feels. And, and again, as someone who wasn't paying for a vault and was there as a plus one, I was just pretty much into the back and uh, just concentrating on filming, which I'll talk about in a second as well, um, rather than you know being up close and really paying attention. It was difficult to pay attention while you're holding a freaking camera up and my arm still hurt. So note to self, bring the monopod next time, the one that you left because you didn't want to deal with TSA and Alaska Airlines possibly hassling you because you had two items and a monopod. But uh, next time, I won't make that mistake because my shoulders hurt and I'm getting old. All right, so the uh, the song stories progress, and uh, you can watch that in a couple of minutes. Afterwards, uh, or not even afterwards, in the middle, we knew that Paul Stanley was going to be arriving. Keith had announced that in his preamble or introduction to the event, um, that Paul would show up. Paul would participate in the songs and stories with Gene. And then all bets were off. Paul was going to do what Paul wanted to do. And uh, he, that's the right thing to do. That's the right thing to say for Paul and for Keith and for Gene. There's um, absolutely no reason to tie Paul to any unrealistic expectations. If Paul's, you know, under the weather, not feeling it or not in the mood, whatever. Uh, you know, he comes in and he's Paul Stanley. It never gets old. Paul knows how to make an entrance. Paul is still the heart and soul of KISS to me as that 14-year-old guy who got into the band watching Tears Are Falling. So every time Paul comes into a room, I'm immediately, uh, I lose a few decades inside and I feel good. And he is just cool. You know, all hell's breaking loose. He is the cool, he is the breeze. And he goes up on stage and joins Gene and, and it's warm. There was a feeling of warmth in the room, having the two principals, and again, no disrespect is meant to Ace and or Peter, because obviously they were critical ingredients in the foundation of the band, but Gene and Paul are the core who have guided the band throughout its history and always stayed. Um, well, sorry, Gene, 
Paul has anyway, uh, stayed grounded and uh, focused on the band throughout the, uh, the, the years, the trying years in the wilderness of uh, commercial success. So Paul immediately, you know, they, they do the guitar thing. I, it's got to be a shtick. And, you know, I, I don't know if whether I like it or whether it annoys me. So that's probably a good thing that I'm ambivalent or indecisive about it. It's, um, come on, how fucking difficult is it to tune a guitar? I don't care if you're going 440, drop D, drop E, whatever you're tuning. It is not rocket science to have a guitar that is tuned properly before you start an event. It is not difficult to have a monitor dialed in before you start an event. However, I will say that uh, the monitor, you can get dialed in in a silent room, but once you have an audience and bodies, it does change the dynamics So uh, to, to what they are hearing because there is additional noise and, and whatnot. So I, I will give them that slightly. And if you're a stage engineer or something that says, Julian, you're wrong, well, educate me. As I've said before, I love being wrong. All right, so I'm rambling. Um, the, the song stories with Paul were about what I expected, that uh, they didn't go into any hardcore detail. They're not going to. As is said continuously, we're the fans, they're the band, we're the geeks who take notes and write books and go into all sorts of inane minutiae. Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley wrote the fucking songs and were living the life. They weren't taking notes of what they were doing. Um, there was a very good question asked by the audience of, you know, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons wrote, Let Me Go Rock and Roll. Do you remember what your personal contributions were to that song? I would have loved to have known the answer to that, where in some cases, like uh, Going Blind, we know that it was Paul who suggested the uh, on 93 and Year 16 line um, being added in and, and other songs that have similar type uh changes uh, or contributions so he didn't remember but he was also very affable about how he answered it and he was that way about all the questions there was a great question about whether they would ever consider performing any uh, material off carnival of souls which paul's reaction i i thought was priceless and uh really was a was entertaining you'll hear it in the, in the video obviously um I thought it was nice that paul was saying very nice things about unholy and revenge i mean unholy is gene's song so you know, Paul was really, there was a lot of banter, which was very entertaining, very fun. There was uh, ribbing, as brothers or partners of 49 years are wont to do and can do with one another. So that in itself was very entertaining. I wrote God of Thunder, you know, which just became Paul's line, which was hilarious in, in many ways. And, and Gene ha does take Paul's ribbing very well very good-naturedly. His personality is such that um, he didn't take any of it the wrong way. And I don't think, you know, Paul obviously wasn't being malicious in any of his comments. It was just, uh, you know, fun. It was fun to hear Gene talk about his favorite Paul Stanley song. I would like to hear a little bit more from uh, from Paul on that as well when the two were asked, you know, Gene, what is your favorite Paul Stanley song? Paul, what is your favorite Gene song? Uh, Gene really did enjoy playing you know and, and talking about detroit rock city and then the two talked about the original arrangement before bob ezrin came in um at least gene did and his memory of the uh the changes that, which you know are stunning that bob made to make a a good song exceptional are, are really fun and they played a little bit of that arrangement the original arrangement which was um 
you know, and, and Paul wasn't really singing. Uh, he, he was kind of scatting, ad-libbing along. I don't, I don't think he was in the mood to sing, uh, especially in the air here. It wouldn't be, it was very dry air in, in Las Vegas, so there's no point to even put his voice under additional strain in that situation. But, you know, when he did sing, you know, he, he sang well. He, he was, you know, in, in, again, invested in what he was doing, but he was very selective in what he chose uh, to attempt and was more an accompanying Accompany him. He was accompanying Gene on guitar. Um, excuse me. Ugh, that might help. So Paul was there to support Gene, and um, they played a, a little bit of some Wicked Lester that a lot of people may not have heard, and um, that was a geek out moment for me. As a, I would like to think I'm a hardcore collector of that sort of stuff, and uh, there are a lot of questions that still exist around Wicked Lester and the history. And they talked a little bit about that. They also um, talked about uh, Todd Rundgren, who of course was in town for that show, as I mentioned at the top of this. And, um, you know, Love Her All I Can, coming from the Naz's Open Your Eyes, which if you play both of them, you see where the inspiration comes from. That's a nice example of inspiration rather than outright lifting, which of course you can find plenty of songs where sections clearly come uh, a little bit more close to their inspiration point than, uh, you know, Love Her All I Can. So they, they did a bit of that. They also talked about some of the chord passages that appear in lots of things. So very, very entertaining. Enough, I, I would say, depth and kind of um, additional seasoning to the stories to make it interesting, especially to someone like me, who, again, is just there as a fly on the wall, but as a KISS fan, wanting to hear these stories and, um, you know, some of the other information that's passed on. So, you know, I think it was a good 45 minutes that they uh, were up on stage together. And then Gene has to get to work. Gene does have people to process and vaults to sign, and he and Paul depart and go downstairs. And from what I hear, and again, this is completely unverified hearsay, is that Paul signed every single vault that day. So everyone who did Las Vegas 2 vault experience has a uh, vault signed by both Gene and Paul. And uh, those will likely be it. I mean, uh, who knows if Paul will opt to do another vault experience. He has a very busy schedule with the things that he's working on. Uh, obviously, his art through Wentworth Galleries is uh, a project that he's doing appearances for. I think he's got Atlanta coming up next. Or Gene, I know Gene has Atlanta coming up. So, you know, it doesn't matter if Paul doesn't do another one. Um, that he's done one, that he's been there like Peter Chris. It came in very exact of what was going to happen. They made sure that was communicated to everyone beforehand that Peter was going to come in, say hello, say words to the fans, get Gene a big hug, get his vault, and uh, get back to his catnap. You know, so if Paul doesn't do another one, I think this one was a great representation of Paul and Gene um, doing the vault experience together. So it, it was certainly very fun. Um, who else was there? So yeah, downstairs. Um, I saw Bob Keel come in, and I, this time after Indy, I got to go over and say hello, which was very nice, much much better than Indy. Uh, Bob was very affable, had a, a nice chat with him, uh, again briefly, didn't want to monopolize any of his time when he's there uh, for his own means, and also um, entertaining fans who are there with their, uh, their uh, vault experience, laminas. Robert Fleischman is still one of the coolest motherfuckers um, I have ever seen. Just how he carries himself and walks. He is just so badass, and he's got a great voice, and he's so talented. And he's written some of my very favorite songs. 
Wheel in the Sky. I was talking about that on Facebook yesterday. Love, love, love that song. Um, and I think uh, that there were one or two other people. They did mention that um, the guys in the Gene Simmons band were in Vegas, but I didn't see any of them. So they may have been doing what Gene Simmons band guys do when they're not Gene Simmonsing. So uh, who knows? So that, in a nutshell, it was my experience of yesterday. Again, shout out to Christina, to Keith, to Gene and Paul, Bob, and uh, Robert. You know, uh, it, you are doing wonderful things for the fans. Um, myself, as a fan, I'm not being paid to upsell any product for I know. I'm simply calling it how I see it. And as anyone who follows the Kasevic U podcast knows, I am really more about the experiences and the memories now than rather than buying, you know, um, collectibles or vinyl. Those days for me are gone. Unless I see something very appealing or cool, I may go after it. But um, I am now far more interested in going to see Kiss when I can doing the meet and greet when I can afford, um, doing the cruise, which obviously I'll be doing later this year. And uh, let's, let's just say, uh, shut up, Julian, play the video. So shut up, Julian. I'm going to play the video. Thanks for watching, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Kasevic U Podcast. Bye. How's everybody doing? <laughs> Thank you, guys. Welcome to Las Vegas 2, the Gene Simmons Vault. I'm Keith Valcourt. I'm the Global Project Manager. Wow, it's going to be an amazing day. I want to, uh, I want to kind of give you right now what's going to happen, and so you, so you know, as much as I know. Uh, Gene's going to come up in a little bit and do a little songs and stories. Somewhere in the 12 o'clock hour, with special guest Mr. Paul Stanley will be coming up. We don't know what's going to happen after that. The guy, they're going to be on stage. They're going to do what they're going to do. They're going to have fun. We don't know, literally, other than the fact that after it's all said and done up here, when you go downstairs and you're waiting for your vault, you're going to line up by number to get to meet Gene and get your vault. We have no idea what else is going to happen with Paul, so let's hope for the best. Let's hope they play for an hour and a half and play a bunch of stuff. You know, it's all amazing. Let me, uh, let me name check a few people that, you know, there's an old Vegas tradition. When a performer gets on stage, they mention the uh, other performers or famous people that are in the audience. So if I could, ladies and gentlemen, in the audience somewhere, the writer of Nothing to Lose and a couple other kids books, Mr. Ken Sharp. Ken, where are you? Also, somewhere in the darkness, three members of the Gene Simmons band, if they've made it here yet, Mr. Ryan Cook, Mr. Jeremy Ashbrook, and Mr. Phil Sauce. You guys here yet? They're in a band, so they'll be late. Also in the audience, or maybe on his way up from downstairs, legendary producer Mr. Bob Kulik is here. And one of the finest voices in rock and roll, don't tell Paul, Mr. Robert Fleischman is also here. Did I miss anybody? Later on, this is not a joke, later on my dear friend Ms. Pia Zadora will be stopping by to say hello. It's true. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have a little fun. Uh, I need to find um, Mac. Are you with us? Mac from Customer Service. I don't know if you notice on stage, there's three things that don't seem like they're part of the performance. Thing number one. is an autographed Gene Simmons Cola, Stanley. Thing number two, kissreplicas.com is a boot. And thing number three, 
Paul's family leather jacket. So if Mac from customer service, are you here? Can I get the uh, three? We put everyone's name in a box and we randomly pick them out. So three of you will be walking home, one of you with each of these. So you can thank the folks at Moneybag Cola for the standing, moneybagcola.com and kissreplicas.com for these two things. Mac, are you here? You know, and, and the rest of the day, obviously, you know, you're gonna, when you get your ball, you're going to get pictures with Gene. He's going to sign your autographs. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's a deep personal day. He's very excited to hang out with everybody and to meet everybody. And there are cookies backstage, as one would expect at a Gene Simpson. Uh, all right, we have some names. Matt was too shy to show up, so he sent someone. Okay. The first person walking away with the autographed Gene Simmons Cola standing. Mr. Robert, is this Foster? Sure is. Yeah. Robert Foster, there you go. It folds in half so you can put it in your suitcase. Leather jacket. Lori Tricker? Tricker? Yes? And finally, the Gene Simmons booth. Mr. Jeff Duvier. Duvier? Yes? I can't throw to you because there's too many lawsuits. Here, pass. I'm going to trust you to give this to him. Right? There's only two rows behind you. You get it on his face. All right, so pass it back. It makes it. Okay, made it past one row. And it made it. Give a round of applause. All right, so everybody hang out. We're going to start this thing in a few seconds. Thank you so much for being here at GeneSimmonsVault.com. Have a great day. First of all, let's give a big thanks to Christina and Patrick for watching me go. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Gene Simmons! <laughs>
Iowa. Iowa got a lot of money. That's correct. I just want to say, um, those cookies are for you. They're passing around. Remember to swallow. You can't say that anymore, kids. They weren't just bearing gifts. That's what I said. Of course, I can't hear this because the sound man is a different guy. Well, the other guy passed away. Is he? Where is he? You're pointing off stage, right? No, no, there's a guy with no light raising his hand. There you go. Well, that's raising his hand like that. Yeah. Yes, I can play guitar. That's how I write songs. But you're the bass player. In all seriousness, I just want to take a moment to... Okay, fuck that. No, no, take, take that. That's a nice moment. Take that a moment. So I came to America a long time ago uh, when I was about eight. Actually, I was eight before I was nine. See what I did there? It's a joke, yeah. And I couldn't speak a word of English and... I'm sorry, did we interrupt you about that? And I have dreams, you know, just like all of you do. Uh, I continue to have big dreams and I'm insatiable. And then I found that this blessed country allowed me to do anything I was ever willing to work hard for. And that luck may have something to do with it, but that the harder I work, the luckier I got. And don't kid yourself, I'm going to be 69 old in a second now, and boy, do I look good. <laughs> and I was offered free room and board in jails across the country. I can't say that anymore. Say that. Because what is it? Jails. Can't say that? You can't say that anymore. No, you can't say fuck all anymore. <laughs> you can't? Yeah. You're no longer allowed to compliment a woman. It's over. The apocalypse is here, but let's get back to my let's get back to my tirade before I get too tired. Oh, she go! Let's give it a go! And so I come from what's um, commonly known as the Promised Land, but don't kid yourself. This is the Promised Land, America, the home of the free and the brave and, and all that. But it's really the place where your dreams come true, really. And I. Uh, I had this song that meant a lot to me called Wind Wish Upon a Star that Jiminy Cricket sang in Pinocchio. I was a little kid, I, I thought like this, and I couldn't understand anything, but then this, you know, if you were to do the Gene Simmons life story, which is coming, uh, I'm in the audience and I'm about 12 years old, and uh, there's a lot of talking, and the nose grows, and the nose grows, and all of a sudden, wind, you, you know, all of a sudden this little fucking in the front, and he's going, man, you, and I thought he was talking to me, only to me, all the rest of them in the movie audience. And it was so uh, inspirational, so inspiring, that I walked out of there, you know what you chicks do when you arch your back, and you just do it. that's what I yeah. felt like, but you do it for a different reason, I know. And I just held my head up and I said, the world is mine. It was semi-religious. And from then on, it was just hard work. And then I saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show, and Paul Stanley's going to be here any second. <laughs> oh, my God. And I saw the Beatles when I was about 13 or 14 years old on the 
Yes, so much. It changed my life. Changed my life. Finally, I saw people who had accents like me. I couldn't speak English well. Talk like this, hello, what time it is. You know, it takes time. And, but English was my third or fourth language. Well, I had to do with other languages. So what, you continue on with your story? Okay, I will. And I heard the Beatles, you know, they're, and they just find regular chords. They're just playing like country chords or folk chords. Later on, of course, they did, you know, stuff like this. You know this one? so on and so forth. And, but in the beginning it was just, this boy wants you back again. And so on and so forth. Same chords as, my darling, I love you. <laughs> Hundreds and thousands of songs use the same chords. And then within a year and a half, I taught myself how to play some chords. I saw George Harrison going. Did the level go down all of a sudden on the guitar? A little more, sir, because I know where you live. There we go. So I heard. And then I heard the kinks. Like that. They literally started off like that. Well, he gets up in the morning and he goes to work at night. You know that? Takes the same train every time. So simple. He's a well-respected man about town, doing the best things so conservatively. Can you make this louder, sir, on my in front here? You're not controlling the um, front? Ah, that button. Ah, more? Ah, you mean that button? Yes. And so I heard, when he gets up in the morning, I said, I can write a song like that. Because it's just C, D, A minor, F, G. So I thought, I wrote the classic of all time. My uncle is a raft, what? And he always keeps me floating. He is so good to me. That's creepy. He treats me tenderly. It doesn't matter who you are. that ended up in the vault. Goes back 50 years. And uh, this box set is the largest box set of all time, as you may have heard. Over 10 hours of music, 167 unreleased tracks, even one with the powerful and attractive Paul Stanley, one in there. I got three with Bob Dylan, I got three with Van Halen, but with Paul Stanley, one. <laughs> but Ace and all the guys appear on the 
take you through what I was learning about music. And you know, the farther you go, the more stuff. But I, I never talk about songwriting, or because nobody cares. You know, throw up blood on my grandmother. <laughs> That's all they want to hear. Are you the guy with the long tongue? Yes. Are you my dad? No, I'm not. <laughs> Are you my dad? Really? <laughs> that explains it. Yeah, because I've never heard anybody say that. And uh, so. What are, the, what are the words? You gave me shelter from the storm. Here's the first part. You kept me warm. You kept me warm. Same chords. I read the news today, oh boy. About a lucky man who made the grave. Notice, same chords. I ripped that also, and I wrote at least 10 or 20 songs using that descending F. All the young dudes. Yeah, same, same thing. It's all about melody and lyric, which rappers will never understand. So the melody. <laughs> <laughs> it's called beats. No, they're not. Yes, yesterday hardly has any beat, but it's a music. So I, uh, some of the first chords I learned were. Rap, the trogs. Wild thing. You made my heart. So there's a guy named Chip Taylor, who's John Boyd's brother. John Boyd gave birth, not he, but his wife gave birth to Angelina Jolie. John Boyd's brother, Chip Taylor, started writing songs because he couldn't act. But he only knew three chords. Say anything you want to say, and I'll show you how blues are written. Go ahead. So just make that up. Okay, maybe not you so much. <laughs> Young ladies, say anything you want. The brownies are good. Okay. The brownies are good. He told me what to do. I'm searching, but I'm gonna run with the brown is all good. That's one, four, five. That's wow. not in the ball. That's not in the ball. You didn't make my heart. So, so the same guy, uh, he said, Hey, you got a big hit, sold millions of records. Why don't you write another song? He only knew three chords. So he used the same chords. Just call me Angel of the Morning, Angel. Right. Is that before your time? You have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> you do? When dinosaurs ruled the earth. That was a song. Merrily Rush. Another millions with those chords. So I just wanted to tell you, I'm trying to go fast because when Paul gets here, oh. So. 
Ghost Paul reads it. Ghost Talk a little bit about that because obviously in the vault you see a lot of songs where you had an idea, you used a piece of it, and years later you thought, I like that, that would be better in this song. Like, for instance, let's start with Eskimo Sun, which became a couple of other songs. Well, hey, great song. Great song. Wow. Oh, no, why don't you give away the punchline to the joke? Yeah. <laughs> I'm up here. I'm <laughs> so when I first met him, what's your name? So when Dolores. I, when I first met Keith uh, a while back, because we've been working on this for the longest time, he was saying, you know, when I was a kid, this song, Eskimo song, we all talked about it. And then I said, oh, Eskimo song, here, let me play it for you. And I, because I collect everything I do. Because I love me. <laughs> and so he goes, oh my God, there it is. Got bass fingers, so the strings go. Oh, and he goes, uh, and the song goes. Only you. No wrong song. I think the later it is. Eskimo sun, you shine at me. Mother's love, far as the eyes can see. That's on there, you'll hear it in 1969. Maybe it was 1869. <laughs> and uh, what I kept doing was going back and saying, you know, I gotta revisit this. The way any one of you who knows how to paint or, or do any painting, you do a sketch of something, then you come back and refine it and so on and so forth. And so I took the chords and just wrote a new song, which became three two different songs that are on the box set, but that Bob Ezrin stuck together as one. I don't know if you followed me. But it became this. Anyway, like that. And it went. Only you can, whatever the lyrics are, even though I wrote them. Thank you. 
You ever go on YouTube and see these poor unfortunate folks falling into manhole covers and bumping into them? Beautiful woman with high heels and big hair. You can YouTube it on fail. Just put in beautiful woman made up with high heels texting who falls into a fountain and falls. Head first, does a complete flip, and then sues the mall. They put the fountain there. What would you do? Why would you put a fountain in a mall? I don't know, it's because you're texting while you're walking. Are we allowed to say these poopy words? No, not really. That's Vegas. So, yeah, thanks. That's Vegas. So, where did I go? Yesterday. Yesterday. So he walks, so McCarthy walks in and he shows, I just wrote a song. Scrambled eggs. Yesterday I had some scrambled eggs. But yesterday was scrambled eggs. I'm not making it up. It's called scrambled eggs. And Lenin, in essence, it's sort of like, in essence, like, you don't crack. Yeah. Or words to that effect. He goes, no, no, not scrambled eggs. That's like a kiddie song. You should call it yesterday. You know, all my troubles. You know, kind of a moody retrospective idea. So the stupidest lyrics of, of strange melodies can blossom into something. The way, you know, like little ugly ducklings can become the most beautiful. So everything starts with an idea. And just wasting time and all the power. So Paul Stanley walks in. But going along those lines, again, other songs that are in the vault, you had a song called Bad, Bad Lovin' that, you know, you could have left well enough alone, but you, you saw something else and it became a better song. It's a cartoon song, I just know it. You made it up. No, 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 it's real. Is it? What's the name of the cartoon? Oh, the kid knows. Oh, there's a very young horse in there. I mean, well, it does. I can't say a poop of words. So I came up with this. And I had that great. You need my love, baby, oh, so bad. And I'm the only girl I've ever had. Before Paul comes here, I gotta tell you something. The difference between Paul and I. We all, you know, are so fortunate to have the best partner in the world. Better looking, younger, just more creative, all that stuff. You can tell him I said so. Tell her I said so. You can't say that either. Oh! So he would come in and uh, said, he got the song, he goes, uh, put your hands on my rocket. That's good. I regret that. Put your hands on my rocket. Grab a tune on my rocket. Yeah. Let me play the devil, DJ. Okay, what's my part? Take me! What? Take me! Really? Don't you want to say, I'm going to take you, because we're men. Somebody's got to be the driver. I'm going to take you, take you. Yeah, let me do it my way. Take you. Uh, I'm gonna break you. You know, men, we're men. I go, no, 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 no. You, you should have gone, take me. So that's how we recorded it. I'm there, I'm in the studio holding it. Take me. And he comes in with another one. Great song. Tonight. Tonight, I want to give it all to you. Oh, that's really good. What's my part? No, no, seriously. Why, why am I going to do it? Yeah, I'm going to kill you. Then nobody's going to 
the show, I just want you to know how I feel. I thought about carrying 40 pounds of armor and stuff, risking my life, no net, flying up to the truck, doing all that, out of breath, they call me I'm a war All that. Okay, here comes the next song. Southern accent. Don't expect much. 
voice was like cracking. It would help if you remember the chorus to your own fucking song. <laughs> so I, I, I was amazed. I couldn't believe it. So we've had a very strange relationship for so many years. So I'll, no, no joke, no joke. You know, he thinks I say this kind of stuff to him to, you know, just say it. Just like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Paul. It's just, I remember I walked because I learned this. You know, just 
I could play. And for not well. No. no I remember those lyrics around. to this day. This is what Paul thought of. There's a question right here. What was your favorite duet with Gene Simmons? Where are you guys? I can't see where you're Oh, I knew that. <laughs> favorite duet? Well, we, we sung lots of stuff. You mean harmonies or different vocals in the same song? Do you know what I mean? Where you trade off lyrics. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, let me go wrong. I mean, uh, let me know is one. God gave rock and roll. God gave rock and roll to you. That's um, Cat Out Loud. That's classic. Yeah. That was, that was his own name, Stan. Right back here. I wrote that a thing. Hi, guys. Guys, thank you for all you've done over the years. We're, we're huge fans. We've been, he was there in 77 when you guys you guys started or came out on the West Coast. But I appreciate the fact that you guys have always been real, you've always given back, you've always been honest, you've always been upfront about everything. And KISS is not only an amazing band, you guys are just great people. Thank you for doing this and thank you for everything else you've done. Woo! Oh, shoot, Dave. 
So, you know, we start criticizing each other, although, you know, it still makes up that kiss thing. To two different sides of the same coin kind of thing, although Ace wrote that, two sides of it. So, yeah, all you ever write are chick songs, you know, like Christine 16, and you go, oh, that's kind of good. So I went off and wrote Christine 16, and he said, in essence, hey, all you ever write is monster songs. <laughs> so he went off and wrote down a thunder. And then we're in the studio, and Bob just makes these stories up as he has. Oh! <laughs> I listen to the things he says, and I don't know if he's lying or he actually believes what he says. <laughs>
He's survived. A little less, please. And we had a deal where finish the record and all that stuff. We just didn't believe in it. I don't know why, but we looked at each other and said, you're probably going to write God of Thunder in the future. <laughs> and we decided to walk out of that record deal, trying to fire the rest of the guys. They said, we're not going. We're holding on to the contract. I'm in the back. So we left and started all over again. And here we are. America's number one gold record of all time in all categories.
have joined in along the way, but I really, really don't know, don't know the whole story, don't know the whole catalog. It, it's kind of what always happens when people say, you know, why don't you do deep cuts, you know, and you know, I do that with the other <laughs> tunes. I'm sorry? Harmonies, I mean harmonics, like we didn't know about that. And 
you can. right back here. Gene and Paul, Josh from Los Angeles, just drove in this morning. Uh, I had a question about 100,000 years. Can you tell me a little bit about like where you came up with the concept of that song? And, like, I, I was, uh, I, worked, I was working at the Puerto Rican Interagency Council as an assistant to, and I always read, always read books. And there was a book called A Hundred Thousand Years about an astronaut, here we go, who hasn't been around, you know, hasn't seen his life, comes back from time. Can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> and, he come, and he comes back, but his girlfriend's dead because, you know, I've been away so long. And I don't know how, where the chords came from, but uh, I think I wrote the lyrics, right? Sorry to have taken so long, must have been a bitch while ago. No, mind if I sit down? <laughs> Steve Carnot. Well, I, I, came up, I came up with the whole concept. I came with 100,000 years, that's mine. I still have the book. Okay. Oh. What's your favorite comment? Have you ever heard that? I'm sorry? God of Thunder. <laughs> separately, you know, about 
20 years ago, but the first 20 years or so, he'd come in with uh, out on the streets for a living and so on. And I would add, and he would come in with, uh, you know, I remember the times I was lonely again. You know that one? Devil's those chords again. And I came up with that, which I got from a, a guy named Todd Rundgren and a group called Nas. How's it going? starts off like that and he came up with it. Here goes those chords again. That's not how you play it. He's doing eagles now. Paul's 
production from this. Stay with me. Yeah, okay, go ahead. <laughs> Song? Who's gonna play it? <laughs> <laughs> 
Here's one. We uh, tried to record. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final, there are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again. Thank you.